Well, what a joy it is to be here with you guys today. How's everybody doing? I'm so glad. I'm so glad you guys like chorizo here in Monrovia, man. <laughs> I, I thought that was just an Almani thing, but um, it's obviously traveling around. But no, I didn't even have any today. The oatmeal was great. Uh, and obviously the worship, everything. Just being able to, on a Saturday morning, you know, kind of start the weekend off and getting into the Word and really asking God to do a work in our life. You know, I believe that God is here. You know, I don't know where you guys are in your walk and relationship with the Lord. Maybe some of you here, you don't even know the Lord, man. You don't know how much He loves you. You don't know the plans that He has for you. You don't know the cross and the way Jesus Christ died for you. Maybe you're struggling with addictions or pornography or whatever it is, your marriage is almost over. You know what? It's not too late. You know, God wants to do a great work in all of our lives. And, you know, He takes uh, the different days of our life. Sometimes it's a day like today, and He changes everything. It's just a matter of whether or not we have an open heart. And so I'm really excited to be here. Um, let's pray, and we'll get into the Word. Heavenly Father, what a joy uh, it is to be with Your sons. Lord, how much You love these guys, Father. How uh, awesome you are and how you want to correct us, Lord. You want to uh, comfort us, Lord. You want to encourage and, Lord, just challenge us as men. Uh, I know as men, I know I need to be challenged. And even in this great uh, topic of overcoming temptation, Lord, I, I feel so inadequate, Lord, because I fail you, I fall, I ask for forgiveness. I'm definitely just one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. I'm just wanting to point your sons back to you today because you are the bread of life. And in overcoming temptation, Father, I know like your word says, in this world we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And so we look to you, our King, our Lord, our Savior, our God, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and give us an ear to hear. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. If you have a Bible today, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And this morning I've been assigned a topic entitled Overcoming Temptation. And I've also been blessed with a specific text to teach. And that is right here in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. How many of you guys have ever been tempted? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> You're like, I got tempted today, man. Me and my wife, we got into some holy headlock, right? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if half of the guys that are here that are married got into it with their wives today. You know, we're going to see today that this temptation that we face is common to everyone. You know, I know that we've all been tempted. We are being tempted and we all will be tempted almost all the time on this side of time, probably even more so in this nation of America. It's a nation of temptation. You know, I, I, there's just no way around it. Uh, I, I read a story about a soldier who was wounded at the Battle of Shiloh during the American Civil War. And so he was ordered to go to the rear uh, there. It was a direction supposedly for his protection. But when he went to the rear, the fighting was fierce. And so within minutes, he came back to the captain and he said, Captain, give me a gun, he shouted, because this fight ain't got a rear, you know. I mean, there's, there's going to be a battle in the front, in the sides, in the back. It's all around you. You see, we're all going to face temptation. And the question is, though, how will we do so? And how can we come 
really to that place of overcoming temptation. You know, for us as Christians, I think we all know if you've been a Christian for a while, I don't want to give you any unrealistic expectations because I think that will lead only to frustrations. We're going to sin. I hate it. I don't want to take that lightly. But the thing is this, that God doesn't want us to live where there's strongholds in our life. God doesn't want us to live, you know, in the enemy's camp, man. The Lord wants us to have that general sense of victory in our life. The Bible describes it as a a life in the promised land. You know, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, it was a glorious thing that God did. You know, when you guys got saved, I mean, some of you guys here, man, you were addicted to crystal meth or heroin or pornography. A lot of you guys here were struggling with so many things. God saved you. God pulled you out of Egypt, right? And now you, when, when you die, we're, we're free, we're forgiven, we're white as snow, we're going to go to heaven. But, you know, he pulled us out of Egypt. The question is, has Egypt been pulled out of us? You know, or will we be like the children of Israel? They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, and God's saying, listen, you don't have to do that. You know, from Egypt to the promised land, it's an 11-day journey. And what we want is to go to that place of not perfection. That doesn't happen until we're in heaven. Uh, I always tell guys, it's not that we're going to be perfect, but we should be proper. We should be godly men, men of God, with a heart after God. And that's what he wants to do. You know, and so we're facing temptation. And so... I think what God gives us is God gives us some guidelines on how to overcome. You know, this is one of the classic passages. Notice what it says here in verse 13. It says that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, I don't know about you, but man, I hate sin. <laughs> you know, I hate when sin wins in my life. I hate when sin wins in the life of my brothers. You know, sin, it breaks the heart of God. Sin breaks the heart of the people of God. Sin separates us from God. It separates families and friends. Sin separates the people of God. You know, I thank God as Christians that we don't need to be worried about the penalty of sin, which is hell, but we must be concerned with the power of sin. Because I see it every day. Your pastor sees it every day. Most of us see it every day, the devastation of sin, the devastation of drugs, the devastation of drinking, divorce, deadbeat dads, the perversity of pornography, the power of pride, In a man's heart, the atrocity of adultery, the nemesis of negligence, the lack of leadership, the wickedness of words that should never be spoken from men who claim to be Christians, talking to their wife and talking to their kids the way a pagan would. You know, although we won't be sinless on this side of time, God help us to sin less. On this side of time, let your family see a radical transformation in your life. You know, the only way that's going to happen is if you and I come to that place where we can understand what the Bible says about overcoming temptation. You know, when I was in high school a couple years ago, um, I used to. (laughs) 
I used to wrestle. Believe it or not, you would never know, man. But, um, you know, one of the things about most of us wrestlers is we hated to be pinned. Were any of you guys wrestlers in high school, just out of curiosity? I mean, you just hated to be pinned, you know? And uh, there you are in front of everybody, your family, the friends, the cheerleaders. You know, you just hate to be pinned, right? And so as a wrestler, you know, in that situation, you've got a couple of options. Number one, you can stop wrestling. You never get pinned if you stop wrestling, right? Or number two, you can learn how to wrestle, right? You can learn how to fight in that situation. And so we need to do that now in the spiritual realm. If you would allow me to take a comparison here and transfer this, you know, sin, the way that I look at it, sin is like getting pinned. And there you are, your shoulders to the mat, you lose that battle, right? And so sin is like getting pinned. Sin and pinned are the same. And so... You know, when we sin, I want us to see it that way. Like, you just got pinned. And I want you, I pray that we would hate that. And then we need to take that whole thing a step further and say, well, the whole wrestling thing is kind of like temptation, isn't it? You know, when I consider these things, I realize that as a man on this side of time, I, I, I can't stop wrestling. I don't have that option. And so here's the bottom line. You know, I got to learn how to fight. Now, some guys, you never learn how to fight. Maybe your dad never taught you how to fight. Your brother never taught you how to fight. Your uncle, your Theo, your Nino, whatever it is, they never taught you how to fight. And who knows, maybe you've never even really been in a literal physical fight. And that's cool. That's a different issue. But in the spiritual realm, you are always in a fight. And somebody's got to teach us how to fight. Our Father wants to teach us how to fight the good fight and how to win, and how to wrestle with wickedness. And you and I can overcome. And so we come now to our text today, and I think, I believe, it'll help us overcome temptation. Now, one thing we see in our text is that whatever the temptation is, doesn't matter. We need to know this. Number one, it's not unique to me. It's not unique to me. And then secondly, when you see that whatever the temptation is, It's not too hard for me. And of course, I mean with God's help, it's not too hard for me. We need to know that. Because again, look what he says. He says in verse 13 that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. You know, read in our text that at times temptation does overtake us. And what that means is that we all experience it. If you have an NLT, it means it, it comes into our life. That's the way it puts it. Temptation comes into our life. Now, before we go any further, I think I need to settle a couple of issues here. A couple of things I need to say. And, and number one, I need to say this. We will face temptation, but, you know, let's not go looking for it. Okay? Um, if you're struggling with gambling, what city shouldn't you go to? <laughs> Vegas, yeah, go, I'm going to go witness. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no, not, not if you're struggling with gambling, right? Um, if you struggle with drinking and drugs, you, you just don't go to that party. If you're struggling with some gal who's married and after you, don't go talk to her, right? If you're struggling with Internet pornography, you know what? It doesn't take a terribly smart Christian to figure out that you should get rid of of the internet. Believe it or not, there was a time when we lived without the internet. (laughs) 
And I think we just need to do our best to avoid temptation. Even Mark Twain said, it's easier to stay out than to get out. Try your best to avoid temptation. You know, I read a story about a three-year-old boy who was trying to explain to his mom how he ended up eating the cookies. And he said, I don't know what happened, Mom. I just climbed up to smell them, and somehow they got stuck in my teeth. (laughs) You know, and if you're not supposed to eat the cookies, man, don't go climb up and smell them. You know, people do not decide to be drunkards, said John H. Eastwood. They don't decide to be drug addicts or prostitutes, murderers or thieves, but what they do is they pitch their tent towards Sodom, and then the powers of evil overcome them. You see, we need to do everything we can to avoid temptation, not just staying away, you know, not just staying away. Number two, praying away, praying away temptation. Do you pray, Lord, like Jesus said, lead me not into temptation? If you're not, then you're disobeying God and you're not doing your best to avoid it. Who knows, man? Maybe if on the way, you know, after work, before you got home, maybe if you prayed that prayer, maybe there wouldn't be so many scuffles at the house, you know? All I know is that the Lord said that in Matthew 6, 13, lead us not into temptation. Luke chapter 22, verse 40, he said to them, pray, pray, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And we're all going to face it, but we have to do our part to avoid it the best that we can. Stay away, pray away, and then thirdly, slay away temptation. You know, if you go over to James real quick, put your marker here in 1 Corinthians, and I think we need to at least really quick touch on this verse. In James chapter 1, notice what it says in verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. But let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. See, we need to stay away. We need to pray away. And in in one sense, we need to slay away temptation. You know, I don't have time to fully develop this point, but I do need to mention this in our teaching, that oftentimes... You know, we do not take up our cross. You know, and isn't that what Jesus told us to do? If any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, we don't take up our cross. We don't slay away. We don't murder our flesh. We allow those lusts within us not only to linger, but sometimes to grow. And by doing so, certain individuals become more susceptible to certain sins. And what ends up happening? These lusts, they grow within us. They linger. We don't weed out the wickedness. And we begin to live a life, notice again what he says right there, his own desires. His own desires. That's the problem. My own desires. And I began to fan my desires, right? I mean, look over at chapter 4 of James in verse 1. 
Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You see, it's our own desires. And the bottom line is that certain people have made themselves more susceptible to certain sins because they've allowed those fires of desires to grow within their own heart and to stay alive and well. And we need to be so careful. You know, because if I can quench those fires of my own desires, then when that temptation or that girl or that drug or that whatever it is comes my way, it won't be so strong in its draw of my heart. See, there are things that we can do. We can stay away. We can pray away. We can slay away. We can grow, right, as men. You know, the main reason he struggles with sexual sin is because he's got the mentality that says, and a lot of guys are like this, it's okay to look at the menu as long as I don't place an order. Some guys are like that. I can check her out. You know, last Saturday, you know, real, really cool guy. I'm not talking bad about anybody, but it's just, I think, a misconception. Last Saturday in our men's prayer meeting, we were talking to one guy. He says, I like to look at girls. I I like to. There's nothing wrong with it. I look at them and I say, wow, what a beautiful creation. (laughs) And he says, I go into church and I look at girls. And if that's your heart, no wonder, you know, you struggle with sexual sin because you have not made a covenant with your eyes. Job 31.1, he says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? You know, I mean, you see a girl once, there's nothing you can do about it, right? But when you start looking again, then you're creating problems for yourself. 40% of all married men will fall into adultery. And I pray that none of you would do that. I pray that we would die with integrity. No, we not only need to get rid of the menu, we've got to get out of the restaurant, guys. <laughs> Don't look at that cleavage on TV, commercials, all that kind of stuff will only make the desires, your desires, stronger and make you more of a susceptible to temptation. Galatians 5.24, it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, what we want to do, basically, I pray that you guys, we would come to this place in our life. You know what, man? And I know it's hard to do because we live in America, man. But we got to come to that place in our life where we say, I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. I really am. I'm part of His army, and it's no longer me calling the shots. He is. And we have to come to that place. Come to the place where we live a life that says, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my desires, but His desires. God, what do you want to do with my life? God, how can you use me for your kingdom? I don't want to get lazy. I don't want to get negligent. I want to be passionate about you, Lord, and your causes, and be recklessly abandoned to the kingdom of God, not getting entangled in this world and the affairs of this life, but living to you know, please Him who enlisted us as a soldier. As a matter, matter of fact, it's real interesting. Here in James, notice what it says in chapter 3, in verse 4. He says, Look also at ships, all they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, They are turned by a very small rudder. Notice wherever the pilot 
desires. See, you got two choices. You can live a life that says, I will live where my desires are my fires. Or you can say, I will live a life where my pilot, my God, my king, my Lord, his desires become my fires. And what ends up happening? He turns it wherever he wishes. You see? And so going back to 1 Corinthians I think part of overcoming temptation is avoiding temptation. And I think it's important to mention that we need to stay away, we need to pray away, and we need to slay away temptation. I think it's also important for me to say this at this point, you guys, that being tempted is not necessarily sin. You know, if you've been praying and doing your best to avoid it, and yet here it is, man, challenging you, staring you in the face then, you know, you need to know that in and of itself, it's not sin. I mean, we know that Jesus was tempted, right? But he did not sin. We read that in Matthew 4 and Hebrews 2.18. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Now, William Shakespeare said, "'Tis one thing to be tempted.'" Another thing to fall. Erwin Lutzer said, temptation is not sin. It's a call to battle. And so, you know, we do our best to avoid temptation. When it does come into our life, we know this, that that being tempted is not a sin. But getting back to our text here in 1 Corinthians 10, notice again, we read in verse 13, that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. That there are those times that temptation does overtake us. It does take place. It does come into our life. And so God says through Paul the Apostle, I want you to know this, that it's not unique to you. That it's common to all men. As a matter of fact, he says that whatever it is you're going through, Others are going through it as well. And so, question, guys. How will that revelation about temptation help me? I mean, you might even be here and say, so what? So what if others are going through it? What exactly does that mean? How can that help me? Well, first of all, I think there are those times that maybe we think that we're the only ones going through it, especially in the church, if I could just say that, especially in the church. You know, because a lot of times, you know, what ends up happening to you guys is we look around and we think, well, everybody here is perfect. The pastor is perfect. The overseers are perfect. You know, the brothers and sisters, man, they're all perfect. Nobody's got sin. Like, I'm the only one here. I don't belong. And you feel sometimes like you're out of place. But I, I think that, that, that type of mentality, we need to know in a couple of ways, is not true. We need to know, first of all, by faith, that it's not true. Because the Bible says so. All you guys here are all jacked up, okay? <laughs> so am I. If you knew everything about me, you wouldn't want to listen to me. And if I knew everything about you, I wouldn't want to talk to you, man. <laughs> And we need to know that by faith, I think, 
And I think, number two, we need to know that by fellowship. It's time for the walls to come down. It's time for men to be saying, you know what? I struggle with pornography. I struggle with masturbation. I struggle with sexual sin. I struggle with pornography. I struggle with drugs. I struggle with pride. I struggle with envy. I struggle with jealousy. I can't get into prayer. I have a hard time getting into the Word. Sometimes I don't even want to come here. Sometimes I even get thoughts that I want to kill myself. We need to know this by faith, and we need to know this, you guys, by fellowship. We need to know this, that we're not alone. That we're not alone. And and when we don't start breaking down those barriers and walking in the light and telling others about our struggles and transparent with each other, then we're not going to have each other to help us through that. And that's why he says, you know what? No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. He wants us to know that it's not unique. You know, back in the Old Testament, you read about this guy, Elijah, who came to a point where he just wanted to die. He just wanted to quit. He wanted to split. He said, this is it. I just want to die. In 1 Kings 19.14, he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone, he said, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. He felt all alone, all alone all alone, and he wanted to die. But what did the Lord say? He said in 1 Kings 19 and 18, I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. And just the point there, main point being, that you're not alone. Sometimes it's good for us to know that. You're not the only one tempted every night to fight with your wife. (laughs) You're not. You know, most men, we have a hard time with our marriages because it's a hard thing to die. And until we get crucified in our marriages, we will always have struggles. And so I'm not saying take it lightly, no thing but a chicken wing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we need to start opening up, pray for me, keep me accountable. I love the men's groups, you know, like times like this, small men's groups, things like that. Having friends, very important. You're by far not the only one tempted with pornography. They say that 70% of all men ages 18 to 34 are addicted to it. We see sex everywhere, huh, don't we? I mean, you don't even have to go to rated R movies anymore. The vision on television is graphic enough. The advertisements, billboards... We're surrounded by sexual temptations. You're not alone. You're not the only one tempted to give up or to let up in his prayer life, tempted to stay in bed. Instead, you hear the satanic seed that you don't need to get on your knees. You don't need to get into the Word. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to be part of a church. All of us here, I would say a lot of us here are are just busy in life. How many of you guys got to go home and wash your car, mow your lawn? paint the house, all those kind of things, right? We're busy, so many things. Uh, One person said busy. The acronym is B-U-S-Y, being under Satan's yoke. You want to know why we're busy a lot of times? Because we're man-pleasers. C.H. Spurgeon said it's more important to say no than it is to learn Latin, Greek, or Hebrew. 
Sometimes we've got to say no to all the people that are telling us all these things because we've got to take care of our family. I've got to take care of my wife. I've got to take care of my children. Right? I mean, we're busy men. Where does men normally hold it in? Right? And why is that? I, I don't know for sure. Maybe it's because we're, we're wired that way. The ladies aren't like that, huh? Usually the ladies are not like that. They're so detail-oriented, it drives us crazy, huh? <laughs> I mean, they cry on each other's shoulders, and they have those sister sessions, and, and, the, and the men are like that. We're like, hey, Dodgers win? Yeah, cool. Yeah, they're doing good this year, huh? Hey, how about the Lakers, man? Are you excited for Kobe, man? And you just start talking to the Lord, but we don't talk about our struggles. Be a friend. I encourage you to be a brother that others can open up to. You know, we need to know that we can't do this on our own. And so God says, listen, guys, no temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to men. Which, first of all, I think it teaches me I'm not the only one going through this. Another thing that it might teach us, and maybe even more importantly, is you need to know that men have gone through the exact same thing you're going through. Okay, stop for a moment and think. What are you going through? What are you going through right now? Physically, financially, what are you going through right now in your marriage, with your children, in the ministry? What are you going through right now in life? Maybe you feel even dry and dusty in church. There's not a passion. There's not a fire. Maybe you feel like the dreams of your life have died. I don't know what it is. What is it you're going through? Well, men have been in the exact same spot you're in. And you want to know something? They've overcome. Thing. Not all of them, huh? Some have gone forward and some have gone backwards. And it breaks my heart to tell you about these guys that for 20 minutes of sexual pleasure lost their families, lost the ministry, lost everything. It can happen to anybody. It happened to David, right? David, a man after God's own heart. I know we see it happen a lot to pastors, right? I mean, we got pastors sleeping with their son's girlfriend, pastors involved in ministry whose wife is dying with cancer, sleeping with five women in the church. It can happen to anybody. And, and when I look at that, how about you guys? When you see that happen, don't you say, Oh, Lord. I don't want that to happen to me. Doesn't it strike fear into your heart? I mean, I pray that it would. Because some of us, we learn the easy way. You want to know what the easy way is? I read my Bible. <laughs> right? Some guys, they, they learn through the mistakes of others. Some guys, they learn the hard way by making their own mistakes. Some guys never learn. All I'm saying is this. that God says, I want you to know that this temptation is common to all. I want you to know that for fellowship, that you would begin to open up. And I want you to know that because some have overcome. And at the same time, some haven't. And we need to be aware of that. You see, in looking at our passage today, number one, we see that it's not unique to me. And then secondly, we see that it's not too hard for me. Because maybe you're here and you're saying, Manny, yeah, but you don't know my wife. Maybe you're hearing you saying that, right? <laughs> How many of you here are saying that? No, I'm just joking. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you don't know my life. You don't know my strife. It doesn't matter, you guys. 
God made the way. Look again in verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You see, it's not unique to me. And it's not too hard for me. And of course, when I say that, I mean by God's grace and help with his truth and the spirit of truth, we do not have to sin. See, it's interesting, this revelation on temptation, that with the temptation, look again what he says right there, with the temptation. So right there, man, with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You see, God's faithful to provide a way of escape so that we can bear it and grin, we can bear it and win. We can win over sin, you guys. What will God do in your life? What will God do through your life? You know? I mean, you don't know. I mean, maybe you do how desperately the young men of this world, of this city, of this community, how desperately they need a godly role model. I mean, we need to know that, you know, what a difference God can make in your life, through your life, through one man. One man, and think of it, if we all caught the vision, but just even one man who is completely committed and consecrated to the cause of Jesus Christ. But what gets in the way? It's a simple three-letter word, sin. And sin after sin, day after day, gets in the way. And God just says, listen, I've delivered you from the penalty of sin, which is hell. Now I want to deliver you from the power of sin. And that's why we come today, you know. God says, you know what, with that temptation, I promise you, I will always provide a way of escape. You know, I think that when we read that verse right here, here's what I'm thinking, because this is kind of what I used to think. I used to think that with the temptation, that there was some secret door somewhere that, you know, if I find, um, if I'm lucky enough to spot it, you know, if I have really, 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 really good vision, you know, I'll find that way of escape. Like, let's just say, here's the temptation. I'm in this room right here. Oh, where's the way of escape? Was well, probably over there underneath the fifth row in some, you know, secret compartment. And, and God says, no, <laughs> that's not the way it is. It'd be like if we were in this room right here and this whole wall was blown out. There's a way of escape and it's not that complicated every single time. He says, I will provide you a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, sometimes it's literally out, get out. Run out like Joseph did. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation like that. You know, I know I have. Where the lady says, you know, let's just say maybe it's after a visit. Hey, can I talk to you? And there you are as a pastor. And next thing you know, you're led into a secret room or whatever. You know what? You better split real quick, man. You know, I've heard stories of guys counseling with women all alone. They're asking for trouble. She's having marital problems, and there you are, thinking that you are like Mr. Holy Pastor, Counselor, Christian Guy, and you're going to help her out, right? 
You know, sometimes the way out is literally get out of there. Run. I know it's been a long time since some of you ran, you know, but <laughs> start running, man. Sometimes it's literally you got to get out. Um, sometimes the way out is getting in to the Word of God. You know, I'll bet you if I took a survey right here, I'll bet you a lot of us here, and the bottom line is, you're not really in the Word. That's your way out. You got to start getting in the Word. You got two lions, the good lion and the bad lion. Which lion wins? The lion you feed the most. Feed the good lion, right? Feed the good lion the things of God and watch what happens. God will do a work. We know in Matthew chapter 4, that's how Jesus got out of the temptation, right? When he was tempted by the devil, right? He had gotten into the word and he got into the word so good, you guys. Here's the thing, that he knew how to apply it. He knew how to apply it, okay? It's one thing to learn the word. It's another thing to live the word. It's one thing to understand the interpretation. Big deal. It's another thing to know the application. So you got to learn the word good enough to where you know, I got my sword and I know how to use it, man. I mean, I wish we kind of lived in those days when we had swords like that. That'd be cool, huh? Swinging the sword. That's what Jesus did. You know, the devil came to him. He says, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be bread. And Jesus said, boom, it is written, homeboy, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. God did not tell me to turn those stones into bread. My father didn't tell me to do that. Maybe he was hungry after 40 days of fasting. It didn't matter. God did not give him those marching orders. Right? Satan came to Jesus and he said, Hey, you know, go on the pinnacle of the temple. Throw yourself off. The Bible says he'll give his angels charge over you, man, unless you dash your foot against the stone. But see, the Lord knew the word so well and he knew how to swing a sword. He said, No, you left out a little portion there, Satan. He said, In his own ways. Again, it comes back to what God wants. You're not going to tempt the Lord, right? You don't worship anyone other than God. All I'm saying is that Sometimes the way out is to physically get out. Sometimes the way out, I'm telling you this, very important to get in to the Word. Sometimes the way to win and not sin, the way to stand up, is by shedding up, you guys. And I'll tell you this, and the reason I say that is because I think probably one of the most important marriage verses in the Bible is in James chapter 1, verse 19. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. How many times? Some of you here, how many of you guys here are single? Just out of curiosity. Okay, a lot of you guys, you need to get ready, man. Those of you guys that are married, you know what I'm talking about, huh? Have you ever said it and you're like, oh gosh, I just ruined my life. <laughs> I just ruined the day. I just ruined the week. Why? Because you could not tame your tongue, man. Sometimes the way out is just, mm, I'm not going to say anything, Right? We need to know that if we can tame this tongue, we will have great victory. You know, all I'm saying is that when, you, when you're in that temptation, that with the temptation, there will always be the way out. And it's not that complicated. It's not that sophisticated. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a guy who's been walking with the Lord for 20 years. God will always show you the way. And what ends up happening? You want to know what happens? is you and I become a man of character, blameless, upright, fears God, shuns evil. 
The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God is looking for a man whose heart is loyal to him. You know, and I know sometimes I sound dramatic. Sometimes I sound like, you know, this guy is, you know, really dramatic, man. But, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth that God, Almighty God, wants to use your life in a way that will change the world. Any man here, doesn't matter what you've done. Because we're all unworthy and we're all unable. God is just looking for a vessel who doesn't want to get the glory. Give the glory to God. Give the credit to God and just say, Here am I. Here am I, Lord. Send me. And you watch what God does. You see, the bottom line is God will make a way. He'll show you the way every day after day after day. And not only will He show you His way, He will show you Himself. Because with that temptation, He'll provide the way. We talked about the written word. Well, how about the living word, right? What did Jesus say in John chapter 14, verse 6? I am the way. I am the way. Right there, at that juncture in time, there, right there, is Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes the temptations are, are not as big. Although those little sins do add up, you know, I'm, I, I mean, my mantra lately is I'm going on a diet tomorrow. I say that every day, you know. <laughs> you know, and there we are. Now, here I am. I'm trying to watch my weight. And there you guys are. You got some good food, man. Even one of the guys had a chef, a chef, a chef uh, outfit on. I told Henry, man, they're serious here, man. <laughs> You know what he said? He saw it's just an outfit. <laughs> no, I, you know, the, sometimes the temptations, maybe maybe they're not as big, but when you compromise in those little areas and you don't learn how to wrestle, then one day the stakes will be higher. And one day it will be the evil day. You will find yourself in like the championship of the world in your life. And until we learn how to win over sin, how to wrestle with wickedness, how to resist temptation so the devil will flee, how to look to Jesus, who is the way, then what ends up happening, you guys, this is what I see in the church. I see more casualties than victories. And so what will happen with us? I pray that we would know what we need to do. You know, we need to rise to the battle. You know, when looking at this verse right here, we see the faithfulness of God, don't we? How God will help you. How God will help us to win over sin. And we want to know the way out. And so what do we do? We cry out, Lord, help us to win over sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a call to battle. And so let's do our best to avoid temptation by staying away, by praying away, and by slaying away the flesh. Let's remember what we learned here in 1 Corinthians 10.13, that the temptation is not unique to me because, you know, we're sinners, we're all messed up. 
You guys, let's fellowship. Let's open up with these things that we have. And let's know this, that it's not only unique to me, not unique, it's also not too hard for me. Why? Because of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what happened in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21? Uh, the angel said to Joseph, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. One day we're going to be home, guys. One day we're going to be home. We're going to have uh, men's breakfast in heaven. We're going to have worship in heaven. Perfect worship. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to have barbecues, tri-tip, you name it, man. The chocolate will be good for you. Everything in heaven is going to be amazing, man. Right? All you can eat. One day we'll be home. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Amen? He saved us from the penalty of sin. We'll be home one day. But you want to know something? Our life is like a vapor. It's like a vapor. It's here. It's gone. What's going to happen in that vapor, you guys? Jesus Christ has given us the victory over the penalty of sin. But I'm telling you this right now, and I pray you would know it. I pray you would believe it. I pray you would receive it, that Jesus Christ has given you the victory over the power of sin. Right? We don't have to sin, you guys. We could be men of integrity. I pray that as a church, we would rise up and we'd embrace that. And I pray that as men, maybe you're here today, and again, like I shared earlier, you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're here. Someone invited you here. Man, the one that invited you is God himself. And he wants to change your life. Maybe you drifted away from God. Then today is the day. Right here, this critical juncture in history is the day of salvation. And I'm telling you this right now. The Lord will meet you here. He'll change your life. He will radically do a work in any man. I pray, you guys, that we would surrender. And so let's pray. Father, what a joy it is to study your word with uh, guys that love you, with guys that are sincere and genuine and open and honest, Lord. I just thank you for guys that are hungry for you, Lord. I know, Lord, I am. I want, Lord, this day to change my life. And I want, I pray, this day would change the lives of many men here. And Father, I pray that as a church we'd rise up and Lord, that you would just do a work in us um, that only you can do. Lord, we can't do it. All we can do is say, here am I. Lord, meddle with the middle. Lord, handle the heart. Because we know, Lord, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart, Lord. And I pray, Father, if there is anyone here, any guys here, Lord, that have drifted away, that have struggled, that are just... Maybe not even, Lord, in a relationship with you, that they would know that their sins have separated them from you, Lord. But, Lord, you died on that cross. Jesus, you shed your blood. And there is power in that cross. And today, there is a God who's willing to welcome them home. To be sons, Lord God, even as you called them before the foundation of the world. And just with every eye closed, you guys, as you're praying, man, just in case, if you're here today, and maybe you drifted away from the Lord and you today you want to return. Uh, maybe you've been struggling, just big time struggling, you know, and you want victory in your marriage, victory with your heart, 
in secret places. Maybe you're here today and you want to receive the Lord for the first time. Right where you're at, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Anyone here, thank you, Lord, for the hands that have gone up. It's a day, I believe, that can change everything. Anyone else? God knows where you're at. God knows the struggles. God knows everything. He loves you, man. He loves you. And the reason why you came today, it wasn't for, you know, the the, the bacon and eggs and chorizo. And, and although we had a good time in fellowship and maybe even a good time in the Word, I, I don't know, but... But to be honest with you, even that was not the real reason we're here today. The real reason we're here today is for men to make a decision to absolutely and fully surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Especially for those that are hurting. Anyone else, thank you so much for the hands that have gone up. Where you're just saying, you know what, today's the day, Lord. Today's the day I surrender my life to you. Anyone else, thank you so Thank you, Lord, so much. Father, I pray for all the hands that have gone up. Lord, you know the ones that that today's the day of salvation. Lord, right now, when that hand went up, the moment that hand went up, you wrote their name in the book of life. Lord, and you know the other guys here, Lord, that are struggling with whatever it is. Lord, I thank you so much, Father, for their extension, Lord, that hand that went up, the hand of faith, the hand that says, Help me, God. Help me, Lord, because I cannot do this on my own strength. I need your power, Lord. And we need your power today. Set them free, Lord God. Set them free, Lord. We pray today in Jesus' name, Lord, that today would be the day they cross through that Jordan River and they enter into a land of victorious Christian living. That when we go home and we go into the highways and byways and valleys and alleys, that everyone would see the radiance of Christ and they would see there is something different in this man. I pray, Lord, that you would baptize us with your Holy Spirit in that way. And Lord, for every wrestling match that we have before us, every wrestling match in the future, Lord, I pray that you would give us that grace. Lord, to overcome temptation. Thank you, Lord, that in your word you said, in this world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And since you have, then we have. And so we love you, Lord. We thank you. Bless, I pray, these guys. Lord, bless them, I pray, with all my heart. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen.